Buffalo's a good team. They got it done. That's all I'm saying. This is not the time. Every decision that I make over the next month will be with an eye in mind to get us in the Super Bowl now. Oh, yeah. Jerry Jones is not firing Jason Garrett. Thought we might be having an emergency pick six podcast. But instead, we're just doing the Thanksgiving recap. This is CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We got a Super Friends Holiday Spectacular. We're going to recap all three Thanksgiving games. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Hope you had a great holiday night, day, afternoon with your family and your friends. Joining us from his apparently in-laws place with what appear to be fraternity battles hanging in the background. John Breach. If anybody sucks on tonight's podcast, you get hit with the paddles. That's just a warning right now. Sean Wagner from his lovely palace in Oakland. What's up? And Ryan Wilson. Feeling it. How you doing, buddy? I uh, remember when I said last week jokingly that uh, Jerry Jones was madder than a box of frogs. <laughs> I really I really think tonight the frogs came out because he, he didn't sound too happy. Yeah, uh, so we're gonna start with that Cowboys game, and I mean, how, where else could you start, right? That was, that was the game. It was, by the way, subscribe, download, re- review, and rate. If you like this podcast, we love your ratings and reviews. Um, we have an excellent time. The, a lot of the new ones are really funny, so that if you write a funny review, it, it makes, it lifts my spirit. It lets us know that we've got a creative bond with our listeners. So dive on in, and we're very close to, I think, do we hit a thousand reviews, Debo? Do we? We're over a thousand. We made it. Thanks, everybody. We're thankful to you, listeners, for jumping on there and uh, leaving reviews. Awesome. Really appreciate it. Let's make the push to uh, maybe we'll see if we get some give away some swag or something. Um, I got to mail one more thing out, then I'm all no, no, don't, 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 don't even tell me. Mail something. Get out of here. Um, anyway, Bills, Cowboys. A shocking finale, unless you're John Breach, who will dunk on me shortly. Uh, yes. the, Bills, the Bills won 26 to 15, and it really led, look, this is doing a, a grand disservice to the Buffalo Bills, because the bigger story should be that Buffalo beat the Cowboys in Dallas on Thanksgiving, going to nine and three, still kind of chasing the Patriots for, for the division title, if we're being perfectly honest about it, getting a huge win against a team with a winning record when everyone doubted them. Uh, but the reality is that it is impossible to come out of this game and not think about whether or not Jerry Jones should fire Jason Garrett. He won't. Ryan, should he? You know what? I was actually thinking about this before the game, during the game, and then after the game. And now I'm fine with it. And it's frustrating for – for Cowboys fans, obviously, including uh, our dude Jared Dubin, who we work with and has been a Cowboys homer forever, and Dubin's a pro-analytics guy, as a lot of Cowboys fans are, that ain't Jerry Jones' jam. That ain't Jason Garrett's jam. And, and I want to point out, and I think I pointed this out during the week, more seriously than I did about being on Lamar Jackson bandwagon. I really do think I said this. I said I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, Jason Garrett went for it on fourth down just because his back's against the wall. And you may have actually made the same point, Brenton. And that's exactly what happened. He went for it on fourth down. He looked, it was uh, fourth and one from their own 19, and he went for it. And he looked like a man who was playing uh, Russian roulette, and he thought he's going to accidentally blow his brains out. He didn't want to do those things, and he did it only because his back was against the wall. It certainly seemed like. And that's no way to coach. That's no way to win football games. And if you're a Cowboys fan, I'm almost at the point where you shouldn't be frustrated with being a Cowboys fan. You should find a team where you like the analytics, you like the coaching staff, and just – 
pull for that team, and then when your Cowboys get better, fine. Otherwise, you're ruining your life yelling and screaming at the television at uh, Jason Garrett just standing there. By the way, he still hasn't said one word on the headset. Not a word. Just standing there, staring in the space. And, um, yeah, don't fight. I mean, do do what you want to do. It's up to you. Uh, the highlight for me was watching Jerry and Steve leave the booth with, like, eight seconds to go and just storm off into the underneath the stadium where apparently Jerry Jones was crying in the locker room when he was talking with the team. The uh, the, the the funny thing is that they went – by the way, they were, we'll get to Michael Bennett screaming in the locker room too. Um, but I wrote down on my little yellow notepad here, uh, Jason Garrett, bunch of exclamation points, holy bleep, uh, when he went for it on fourth and one on his own 19, which is kind of hilarious because it's like he punted on fourth and four from the Bills' 40. And then he went for it on fourth and one from his own 19. And I'm fine with it. Like it's very aggressive. It is, uh, it is certainly, you know, something you can do when you've got Dak and Zeke and all that. But on your own 19 in like a kind of a tight ball game is in, in the second quarter. That's really, Sean, would you say that that borderlines on too aggressive? Like did you like that call from Jason Garrett or, or did you think it was a bit much? Like, like almost like a thou doth protest too much situation. I thought it was the decision in itself was fine. The, the, it's the it's the process of coming to that decision that bothers me because it's so clearly a reaction to all of the negative media attention about him being ultra conservative and we saw it against New England multiple times and it's about his job kind of not being on the line for this year but being on the line after this year and so I would be fine with it if he was like this is the smart thing to do I'm just gonna always go for it on fourth and one situations but the fact is. He doesn't always do that. You referenced um, earlier in the game they had, I think, a fourth and six on the Bills, 43 or whatever, and they punted it, and that just doesn't make any sense. So I'd be fine with it if he was doing it all the time, but it just seemed like he only is willing to get aggressive when he realizes his job could be on the line, and that is the way coaches should always coach in the NFL because you don't get that many chances in the NFL, and certainly he's had more chances than he probably deserves. So that's what bothers me about it. It's just it's the process of coming to that decision. It should he shouldn't be my back is against the cliff. Now I have to do this. This should just be the default way that he coaches. If your back is against the cliff, you just walk forward. <laughs> Unless someone pushes you off. Right. Like Jason Garrett's pushing himself off. Maybe that's what Sean's saying. Here's one more thing about that, though, is that Jason Garrett, he just, as Sean said, he's very reactionary. If he had an analytics guy, his analytics guy would have yelled at him every single fourth down this game because he made a dumb decision every single time. The one that Brinson referenced was uh, fourth and six from the Bills' 43-yard line. If you're going to be aggressive, that's where you start the aggressiveness. You're already in their territory. Going for it there, unless you want to send your kicker out for a 60-yard field goal, uh, going for it there would have made plenty of sense. No one would have second-guessed that at all. You go for it there, and then you come around, and you go for it in your own 19-yard line. Look, I don't think anybody who's running analytics would tell you to do that, even if it's only fourth and one, because you're risking blowing the game if you don't get that. All of a sudden, the Bills are 19 yards away. And then there was a third one where they had fourth and four from the Bills, 22, when they were trailing 26 to seven. You kick the field goal there because you're down three scores. You have to get three scores no matter what. So you kick the field goal, you cut it down to two scores, and then you try the onside kick. And so since they didn't, once the fourth and four with 555 left in the game failed, the game was over because they're not going to score three times in six minutes. But if they kick that field goal, maybe they score two times in six minutes with all their timeouts. But So I thought there were three fourth downs where he just made the wrong decision. By the way, the fourth and one at the 19, that is analytics. Say go for it. Uh, 
you know, do, do, do any of us have the percentages of how it changes their win versus loss? Uh, Cowboy Stats and Graphics, which is a Cowboy, they're Cowboys fans on Twitter, but they're stats nerds. And right. so Cowboys, asking, they're, they're pretty good on Twitter. No, they're really good. Yeah. But they, yeah. they were asked about the play call, and he said every fourth and one, it, you go for it on every fourth and one, unless it's last 10 minutes of the game, and other considerations might, might outweigh your decision to do that. So, yeah, it, the, the analytics people, at least uh, Cowboy Stats and Graphics, which is, he's a good follow. But, but so two, maybe Garrett should follow him. But two yeah, breaches, no two, two breaches point, like the fact that that's the one fourth down you go for, like that, yeah. like, like that doesn't make any sense. Like you're, like you're going for a fourth and one on your own 19. Like what, what are you doing? Like I, sure, I get, if you are consistently going for fourth downs and consistently being aggressive, great. But if you're randomly going for it on fourth and one on your own 19, that's very bizarre. Um, a couple other things about the Cowboys too, like, they had the they went they, their first drive was a like you're like this is going to be a bloodbath. The Cowboys are going to slaughter the Bills. They marched down their nine plays, sixty two yards, touchdown, easy an easy touchdown. Um, and and then you know the the Bills had I guess let's see the, the Cowboys punted twice. The Bills went and got a touchdown after that, and then Dak had that unbelievably terrible interception that Starlo Tulele got. Like, obviously his first career interception, he, he gets that. Um, and then they had, uh, Dak got sacked and strip sacked as he was sort of winding up. Um, and by the way, that Star looked lately thing, they missed the, they missed the field goal. And then the John Brown, uh, end around bomb to, uh, to Devin Singletary. And it could have been like 10 points. Like that, that basically is what flipped the game it was two bad turnovers by the Cowboys offense. Um, and then Jason Garrett's final drive on that, on that, in the first half. That was inexcusable. They got the ball with a minute 52. With a minute 15 left was when Dak gets sacked. They don't call timeout, which I guess is fine. It's your next play, second and 18. Uh, it happens at 51 seconds. Then they get 12 yards to Amari, so you have third and six. And they didn't call timeout then either. And so they ended up going down the field and having to settle for a Brent Mayer field goal that he pushes left. And they go into halftime, uh, what, down? Um, they had seven 14. points until the last quarter. Yeah, 14 to seven, right? So... It just felt like there was a lot of bad coaching. Like, like Breach said, I, I'm actually convinced that Breach is right. Even if there were uh, an analytics person in in Jason Garrett's ear, like there is one for John Harbaugh, his headset isn't on. He can't hear anything. He's just staring out into the space. He's probably staring Not at Jerry Jones' box to see what he's doing. It, it, it's a, and look, you can't do anything about it as a Cowboys fan or us being angry about it. That is who they are. They are not going to change. So Jerry Jones said it, we wouldn't have a chance to win the playoffs if we quit now. I mean, does anyone think they have a chance? They'll make the playoffs because the division is terrible. They have a chance, I guess. But are they going to win a game in the playoffs? Uh, they could win a game in the playoffs, but I don't think – like they could beat a – I mean, if they beat Seattle or Minnesota as a wild card team at home, that wouldn't be shocking. But I don't think they're – I don't think they're better than those teams. I don't I don't think they – I will be – if they're favored in that game, I will be hammering the underdog in that spot. Um by the way, the other thing that Jason Garrett, like this annoys the crap out of me, is that when he is, um, so they had two instances. One, when they're moving down the field, uh, you're talking about they ended up in that fourth and four and they, or the fourth and six. <coughs> Excuse me. They're in that fourth and six and they go for it and they don't get it. And like Breach said, they should have kicked the field goal. The first, they had second, second and ten at midfield. And you know, you know that you need to go, for, like, you're going to have to get, like, you have to go for it on fourth downs in these spots. And they take a deep shot down the boundary to Tavon Austin. 
Like, what are you, like, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you going vertical to Tavon Austin? You have Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. Why is Tavon Austin taking your vertical shots? Uh, and then later in that same drive, they get third and goal on the six. They know that they have to score a touchdown and they take a fade to Michael Gallup in the end zone. The, the Falcons had a Falcons later, later in the evening faced a situation like this where, and they ended up not getting it, but the process was at least good. Matt Ryan dumped it down to the left and they picked up a couple of yards. And so instead of facing fourth and six, they had fourth and two. And that's just infinitely easier to convert. And that's what bugs me is Jason Garrett clearly isn't planning to try and get the fourth down. Like he, he knows he's going for it, but he doesn't understand that fourth and one and fourth and two is easier than fourth and six. Drives me nuts. It should be worth clarifying because this happened last week in New England. They had that fourth and seven where they had second and seven and third and seven. So Kellen Moore's calling the plays. But at some point during the week when they're game planning, Jason Garrett and Kellen Moore aren't having the conversation. Look, these are the situations where we're going to go for it on fourth down because Kellen Moore's calling plays on second and seven where he expects to try to get a first down because he assumes they're punting, either punting or kicking field goals. Because that's what they usually do. Right. So, I mean, part of it's Kellen Moore calling the plays, but at some point, Jason Garrett, I don't know if he talks like during the week either. Maybe he doesn't talk at all. I don't know. But if he talks during the week, you think he would tell Kellen Moore, these are the instances where we're going to go for on fourth down, and that doesn't seem to be happening. It was uh, The thing about the Cowboys' performance in this game is that they actually played okay on offense. Like, they had 421 yards. Right. Two first downs. They averaged um, 5.9 yards per play, which if that was their average over the course of the season, would rank sixth in the NFL. That's what Seattle averages per play. They were actually really effective at moving the ball. The problem was what the Bills did really good is prevent really big plays. And there was a period in that game where they just kept exchanging field position. Each team would drive down to about midfield punt and have a good punt, and the other team would be backed up around the round 10. And the Cowboys just couldn't – their offensive line, I thought, struggled – um, and they couldn't sustain any drives. If you look at their drives, like they go five plays, 52 yards, punt. Nine plays, 35 yards, punt. Like they have a 10 plays, 58 yards, missed field goal. They actually pieced together a long, lot of long drives, but they just weren't consistent enough and not hitting on those big plays, and they couldn't sustain, you know, that nine play, 10 yard, 10 play drive, which is what the Bills were making them do. So credit to the Bills defense, which, um, has been really good against the pass, not good against the run this year. Um, and it really was like the epitome of Ben don't break. And with the Cowboys missing field goals, um, that helped them out, obviously, too. Dude, Zeke averaged 5.9 yards per carry. They And he only ran the ball 12 times. They abandoned the, the running game that was working against Buffalo. That's where you attack Buffalo. And they tried to attack the secondary breach, and it didn't work. Well, yeah, and, and along those lines, the fact that they didn't keep giving Zeke the ball – uh, was surprising. I thought Dak played one of his two or three worst games of the year. He had the interception. Uh, he had the fumble and the fumble. Like you have to, he did what I thought Josh Allen was going to do in this game. D- Dak looked like the Josh Allen. And, and Brinson, you talked about that one where they got down to the six yard line, had fourth and goal from the six. He missed a wide open Zeke Elliott. You know, if he makes that throw, that's probably a touchdown. You have a whole different game. So this wasn't the, Z- the Dak Prescott that we've seen the last few weeks like I don't think he played badly but the fact that he was not playing to the you know he was a fringe worthy MVP candidate the past three or four weeks that wasn't Dak Prescott I saw on the field today and so when you combine that with the fact that they basically gave up on giving the ball to Zeke and it was almost like uh Jason Garrett panicked he saw oh man we're down 13 to 7 here midway through the third quarter, I'm not giving the ball to Zeke more. I'm ditching the running game. I'm going to throw it on every down, even though they absolutely didn't have to because it was still a two-score game. You're only down 16 points. You're down two scores. You don't have to abandon the run, but that's what they did. So I, I just thought the Cowboys coaching, like we say every week, 
in over their heads, didn't know what they were doing, and and I don't know why you abandon the guy who's averaging over five yards per carry. I agree with you 100%. The Cowboys now above versus teams that are above 500, 0 and 5. 16.4 points per game scored, 22.6 per game allowed, a negative 31 scoring differential. Cowboys versus other teams, aka teams who suck, 6 and 1, 32.6 points per game, 17.6 points per game allowed, plus 105 scoring differential. So, um, hey, quickly, I, Princeton, I got a, I got a fun sad fact depending on who you are uh, as it relates to Zeke Elliott. He had fewer than 100 rushing yards in four straight games this year. The last time Elliott had fewer than 100 rushing yards in four, uh, four straight games, 2013 at Ohio State, he was a true freshman. Wow. Anyone want to guess who the running back, the starting running back was for Ohio State that year, 2013? Uh, Willis, no, 2013, 2000, Willis McGahee. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, 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 2013. Oh, wait, no, 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 it would be Carlos Hyde. Wow, you got it. Well done. So he was drafted in 2013, right? Willis McGahee, was that just a smokescreen? Yeah. That's like, yeah, like famous Ohio State running backs. I thought he was going to throw Maurice Claret. Maurice Claret is who I meant. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> Don't throw him a lifeline, Breach. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, so, according to Stephen O at Sportsline, the Cowboys' playoff chances dropped from 70% to 58%. They have a, what do you think their chances of making it as a wild card are, Breach? Uh, it's, I mean, we were talking about this last week that we said it was zero. I mean, I said it was zero percent. It wasn't mathematically, so I would say it's got to be under 10 percent. It's under one percent. Point. Okay. That's chance of making it as a wild card. Um, and then they are basically, they're 52 point favorites against the Eagles in week 16. Uh, Debo, scale of one to 10, how confident are you the Eagles making the playoffs? 62. Ooh. Wow. Interesting. Hey, he saw the same game we saw. Dallas looks terrible. Yeah, they do. Um, and really, Michael Bennett was the guy who was uh, yelling in the Cowboys locker room. And he actually said, I believe the, so the interesting thing is that he said one of the quotes, according to Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News is, this is what in a fiery speech, Michael Bennett said, quote, the enemy against greatness is the unwillingness to change. Is he talking to Jerry Jones? I don't know. Um, anyway, talking to Jason Garrett. Was Garrett in the locker room? My God, like you're the new guy. They just added you a month I, ago. That that's like cutworthy. If that's a subtle shot at Garrett, my God. All right. Um, so look, the Cowboys, based on that record against winning teams and losing teams, they might be frauds. You know who aren't frauds? The team that we should have been talking about out of the gate, Sean, the Buffalo Bills. Your man. Josh Allen put together maybe his best performance well, as pro. I thought so. His first primetime game. He's never played in a primetime game. No, don't bet against Josh Allen in primetime. No, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I was blown away from him, and I feel like I'm the resident Josh Allen hater on this podcast, if not at CBS Sports entirely. Uh, what impressed me, look, he had the awesome fourth down conversion that was came one play before their trick play touchdown, which gave them a lead they wouldn't relinquish. That's incredible. He had the rushing touchdown. Those are things that we know Josh Allen can do, right? Like, we know he's, quote-unquote, a football player, like they always like to talk about, like Taysom Hill as well. Um, what impressed me, though, was his decision-making. I don't really know if he had 
turnover-worthy throws today. He had a couple of passes that were tipped that were almost picked off, but there was no decisions that you thought, oh, why are you throwing that one? Um, and his ball placement was really good. If you look at that touchdown that he throws to Cole Beasley in the first quarter or second quarter to tie the game, he steps up in the pocket to avoid the rush, and instead of just keeping his eyes down and running, which is what I thought he was going to do, he keeps his eyes up the entire time and hits Cole Beasley on the run, sets him up in a, in a position to pick up yards after the catch, which is what Cole Beasley did. And so now you look at what he's done the last eight games. So since the beginning of October, the last eight games, half a season, including rushing touchdowns, he has 18. He's only been picked off twice, and I think he's fumbled six times in that span, which is a little bit of a problem, but uh, it's nowhere near Daniel Jones's fumbling problem. He is playing legitimately, I would say, in the 12 to 16 range of quarterbacks right now, which should not be taken as an insult by Bills fans. I think it's higher than I ever thought he would get. Um, and I think he's playing well enough right now that I was saying a couple weeks ago that the Bills are locked to make the playoffs, but I can't buy them to go on the road and win a playoff game. Well, they just went on the road against a potential playoff team that's going to be hosting a playoff game, and they demolished them. This was a 26-7 game, really. The eight points that the Cowboys scored came at the end. They scored 26 unanswered. The Bills did. So I buy the Bills now, not winning the Super Bowl, per se, but winning a playoff game? Absolutely. Well, that's, uh, I mean, look, I, I'm with you. Uh, you're not, you're not in on the Bills winning the Super Bowl. That's, um, that is slightly different from burying Sean McDermott and refusing and calling Josh Allen a running back. Progress. Uh, Breach, would you like to dunk on me for mocking you on CBS Sports HQ when I said that you were a clown who, and I believe I said in our Slack channel that you were looking for clicks. I said it must be the end of the month and Breach is behind people in traffic because he's picking the Bills to be the Cowboys. That's on me. I'm a loser. I said that. I was dead wrong. I'll own it. The Cowboys got ran by the Bills. I would like Bills fans to just go through your Twitter feed. And this, this is so absurd. This starts on Friday. So my picks come out. says Bills will shock Cowboys. Brinson's accusing me of going after clicks with my prediction, which is fine. That's one thing. Then we go on video on Friday in front of people on CBS Sports HQ. And Brinson's like, you're a clown, man. There's no way the Bills are winning. So now he's doubled down. Then he triples down by just saying that Josh Allen's the worst quarterback of all time. There's no way the guy's ever going to do anything. And here we are Thursday night. Uh, I feel pretty good about this win because, look, this is what I thought Josh Allen could do. I feel like I've been the only person – I don't. I wouldn't say – you know, I don't think he's an MVP candidate or even close to that. But whenever Sean dunks on him, I'm the only person here that maybe tries to defend him a little bit. Uh, so, okay, Ryan, too. <laughs> Um, By the way, Josh Allen finished the day, or finished the other yeah, day, it was during the day, maybe night, 19 to 24, 231 yards, one passing touchdown, uh, 10 carries, 43 yards, one rushing touchdown. He did, I did, will say he had the second highest passer rating on his own team. So, I mean, that's well, not. <laughs> and, so here's, I'm going to rewind real quick to week four. The Bills lost to the Patriots 16 to 10, and Josh Allen threw three interceptions in that game. If he throws just one interception, the Bills probably win that game, and they probably win it easy. And I feel like Sean McDermott, I feel like the coaching staff probably sat him down, and they're like, look, man, as long as you don't make stupid mistakes, this is an easy playoff team. We would have won that game. We just need average quarterback play. We don't need you to be great. I think I've said before, they're the Bears of the AFC. If They've got a good to great defense, and if they get average quarterback play, they're going to be good. And you know what's happened since that Patriots game? Those stats Sean just mentioned. He's produced 18 touchdowns to just two interceptions. If any quarterback in the NFL does that, 
but no one has because that's eight straight games where he's produced at least two touchdowns. No other quarterback has a streak going like that. Not Lamar Jackson, not Russell Wilson, not Dak Prescott. Uh, not so Mason Rudolph. Not Mason Rudolph, and not David Blau. So it's been interesting to see how kind of develop and not make these dumb mistakes. We had Thanksgiving today. Josh Allen is the turkey of your Thanksgiving meal. Turkey doesn't wow anyone. It's not impressive. You, you don't leave Thanksgiving saying, God, I love that turkey, but it holds the whole meal together. It's the main part. What? It's the main You're, part. Are you Josh saying Allen's, Josh Allen was awesome today? What are you talking about? Why are you calling him the turkey? He was the GD Wait, pumpkin pie. No, also, that, that makes it sound like turkey is underappreciated. Turkey's turkey is underappreciated. Everybody go on Twitter and Twitter search turkey. Everybody hates it. Turkey's, it's, it's very underappreciated. Everyone hates everything on Twitter. First of all, turkey, <laughs> first of all turkey's overrated. Turkey's fine. There we go. See, Will it's just said. Pilot, but I, it's what the meal is built around. Yeah, right. But, Josh Allen has a great meal built around him. All he has to do is be the glue guy. I would say he's the Brussels sprouts. Underappreciated, but when it's cooking right, delicious. I mean, that's literally the worst analogy I've ever heard. I almost want to leave the podcast Sean now. looks like a Brussels sprout in that outfit. He's <laughs> rude. That's the meanest thing you ever said on this podcast. <laughs> Nobody can see you. Breach is like still mean. <laughs> Breach is the turkey. You're like that's terrible. He's the Brussels sprouts. Like what? What do you? Hey, who even has Brussels sprouts at Thanksgiving? What's going what? on? Everyone are. What are you talking about? And every single graphic, including Fantasy Football Day, tweeted out where you build your own meal. Brussels sprouts are like a four dollar or three dollar item. That means there's value. And no one it. bought it. I bought it. You were literally the only person. I love outfit. Brussels sprouts. I've never been to a Thanksgiving with Brussels sprouts. I haven't either, and I've been to like a six hundred, six hundred, uh, 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 like 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 a covered covered dish uh, thing where everybody brings it with six hundred people there. And well, not- they're bringing like raw oysters and whatever your fancy rich people. I do, do want to so. go on the record right now that they play the Patriots in Week sixteen, and if because I don't know they they play the Ravens next week, I'm not sure they're going to be able to win that game, so they might not be in a spot where they can still clinch the division by the time they get to Week sixteen. But if they are. They can win that game. That's not just going to be the Patriots walking all over them. Uh, also, Sean, that was side dish number two. Like, settle how down. much? How much money was it worth? It was four dollars. Was side dish $4 number four? So four dollars. It's it's That's month- a valuation, man. It's what month- else was in that category? Squash, cranberries, cream corn, and then mac and cheese at five. It's just a clear cut punt. You take mac and cheese and you move on. Uh, I, I yeah. take Brussels sprouts. I'm so glad I've never done Thanksgiving with Sean. Sprouts. I don't think they're a Thanksgiving vegetable. They're oh, not. That's fine. They're By the way, different. I want to point out one other thing about to piggyback on what Breach is talking about. And I mentioned this um, Thursday morning when I was doing Half Hour HQ with me and Chris Hassel. He seemed pretty pumped to be talking to me for 30 minutes on, <laughs> on a Thursday morning. But uh, also, and this is no big surprise, and even though Sean hates this guy more than he hates Josh Allen, the coaches. I mean, if you're matching up anyone against Jason Garrett, you're taking the person behind door number two. This this time it was Sean McDermott. He's done a really good job. Brian Dable, the play caller who Breach is talking about is doing a good job setting up Josh Allen for success. He deserves credit. Um, Leslie Frazier is the defensive coordinator, the former Bears coach. I don't know how Sean feels about him. He was the Bears coach, wasn't he? Or he no, he played for the Bears, 85 Bears. He was the Vikings coach. Vikings coach, 85 yes. Bears, Vikings coach. He's like a, he's, he's, he's like a lower energy Tony Dungy. So. <laughs> I, I, I was, like, was going to say, did I forget that he was the Bears coach? I was like trying to remember. He's uh, uh but anyway, yeah, Sean McDermott out, out coached Jason Garrett, which is, I mean, that's nothing to brag about, but that's part of the reason that they were able to win that game. 
Okay. And, uh, and Cole Beasley. We should definitely shout him out for just totally take the Cowboys got rid of him because they're like, uh, this guy doesn't fit in our system anymore. And get Cole Beasley literally on social media all summer, all offseason was ripping the Cowboys. This is a trash organization. They only, their offense sucks. He was calling out Garrett all summer and saying how blah and, and easy it was and, and people could figure it out. He goes to Buffalo. He said they have a better offense and they threw that in their face and had 110 yards and a touchdown. Cole, Cole Beasley literally said the front office decides where the targets go to in the passing game. Right. By the way, Cole Beasley's last seven games has, uh, let's see, he has 28 catches, two, 168 receiving yards and five touchdowns. That's live math. Wow. What's that? Live math. Good job. Live math doing PFR and flipping back to, uh, to, you know, I should have had that done. I got a little math later for the Falcon segment. Um, I don't want to, I really do feel bad. Like I don't, Bill's fans, somebody tweeted me. It was like every clown on the podcast picked, uh, picked the Cowboys. <laughs> it's like, well, they were favored by seven. You I picked what? the Bills to cover. Okay, then I don't know what this guy was talking about. I said on the you Sunday YouTube show. You should have sent them to me, Brenton. You should have said, Breach picked the Bills, and I made fun of them three different times. So <laughs> suck it. Somebody did pick the Bills. What, uh, Sean said they're not a Super Bowl team, and that's probably right. Oh, actually, you know what, Ryan? I have a, a question. I don't want to extend this too long, but I do want to give the Bills their fair shake. 2018 draft class. We, we do this all the time. The quarterbacks. We know you're taking Lamar Jackson one. Who are you taking number two? You Pete Briscoe to... might be taking Josh Allen one. Uh, he... No, he, did it he told me via text recently he would take Lamar over, over Josh Allen right now, although things oh. may have changed his mind. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I think you have to make sure that the guy fits the system. I, I think that um, Josh Allen is a rich man's Trubisky. Like, that's ideally what Matt Nagy would want mm. in his quarterback. I think he's much That was ruder than I thought. Okay. Much, I, yeah. Why? Oh, if, 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 um, Trubisky were playing like Josh Allen's playing? Yeah, Sean would want him signed to a contract right now. Yeah, that's my point. That's, that's probably what they, they would like Josh Allen, or excuse me, what Mr. Trubisky's game should be like. Right, but, but Sean wants Mitchell Trubisky cut. <laughs> like, there's a, there's a pretty big gap. I want him fired into the sun. Let's no, but they're similar type players. They're athletic, good arms. Move well in the pocket, all that raw. I mean, those they sort of check all the same boxes. A much more physical runner, and it has a much better arm than Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky doesn't even run anymore, to be honest. I think he's, he's I think he's hurt and can't run. Well, yeah. we embarrassed. I I want to make sure we don't shortchange the Bills because we spend all that time talking about Jason Garrett because that's the big thing. So where would you guys draft him in that class? I would still so, okay. Let's let's recap. So Lamar's going one. <laughs> Lamar's going one. We still have Sam Darnold out there. We have Baker Mayfield, and we have Josh Allen. And Josh Rosen, if you want to throw him in there. Yeah. Don't so, for Rosen. yeah, poor Josh Rosen. Also, so nice I think number two, I think I'm still taking Sam Darnold. Who's your, wait, your one's Lamar, your two is Sam Darnold. Okay. Yeah. And then do you want Baker or do you want Josh Allen? Here's, here's my, my order. My order's different, but. Okay, here's, here's my thing with it. I would still go, I would go Lamar one because we've seen what he's done and we're all idiots for not having him one in the first place. Um, I would actually have Baker two because I, I had Baker first. And I would okay. write it out. I think that you could build the infrastructure around him, and I'm not selling on Baker yet. Darnold is very close to Baker for me, and Josh Allen is pretty close to those two guys too because of, how, A, how he's developed, B, how he's looked. Um, and then, like, C, I think that 
for at least, especially his rookie year, he was working with way less than anybody else. And credit, look, we talk about, I talk, I talk about the ecosystem that the Ravens built around Lamar Jackson and, um, the ecosystem the Chiefs built around Patrick Mahomes. Credit to Sean McDermott and, and Brandon Bean. They did a really good job putting pieces in place around Josh Allen that will work. Devin Singletary and Frank Gore, a nice combination of the backfield. Cole Beasley's been a huge help improving his accuracy on short yardage. John Brown has developed into like a, a borderline elite level receiver in the NFL at this point. And he didn't get the, and he could pass the ball too. Who knew that? You know what? I actually, I mentioned Mr. Bisky, but someone made this on Twitter. Of course, I can't remember who because I'm old and don't make note of these things. But you mentioned Brandon Bean, you mentioned Tom McDermott, and someone made the comparison of Cam Newton to Josh Allen. Yeah. And they're similar style players. Obviously, Cam is a lot bigger, but in terms of building players around him, that sort of makes some sense, given that those guys have ties to Carolina. That's like see RJ said that in Slack to me. Oh, okay, RJ, side. you're right. Yeah. RJ White, our editor, the so, NFL draft editor. Anyway, Josh Allen is. I think I think the group of the big four is right there. Josh Rosen has fallen out. Lamar Jackson has surged to the top, and um, I it would be it would be silly not to include Josh Allen in, in any conversation with any of those guys, and I think he proved that. On quarterback, by the way, do you know who the quarterback was that was drafted after Lamar Jackson? After Mason Rudolph. Does he fit in this conversation? <laughs> Did you see what Mike Tomlin said when they benched him? He, he Devin Hodges him? has not killed us. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how he explained it. That he did. Um, okay, let's take a quick break, and we come back. We'll talk about the other two Thanksgiving Day games. Go Bills! You guys are awesome. Sorry, Bills fans. Love you, Bills fans. Bye. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. I was feeling bad. I don't want to get harassed by Bills fans. We want to make sure we give them their credit. They, by the way, you know what? I'm not going to talk about the Bills because I'll get – You know what? You might be like, you're going to talk about it before the break. What are you doing? Why are you going back to the Bills? What is wrong with you? Why are you so spacey? Brenton, just say that they're locked into the fifth seed and they can beat the AFC South team that's going to get the fourth seed. That will make Bills fans feel good. They're going to win their first playoff game in 20 years and they won't complain anymore. I think that is is true. And by the way, the Bills have a 96% chance of making the playoffs now, uh, according to Stephen O. Sportsline. And you know who doesn't have a 96% 96 chance of making the playoffs the Detroit Lions, because they were eliminated on Thanksgiving. I think they're the first team out in the NFC. There, it's the Lions and the Bengals. Who's Bing- in the AFC? 
The Bengals. Bengals. It's the two saddest sack franchises in the last <laughs> years hanging out together in the dustbin. Like, oh, what are you doing? Hey, fancy meeting you here again, Bengals. Also, That's two cat up. teams. Two, <laughs> two, cat, two cat teams. Meow. I saw a fascinating stat at Reddit on Reddit that no team with a cat mascot has won since the black cat went on the field at the <laughs> Giants Cowboys game. The what? Panthers, the Jags. The Bengals, the Lions, none of them have won a single game since the cat went on the field. How, how have you not written a post about this yet? Because right, I just saw it today okay. when I was <laughs> Thanksgiving dinnering. Remember how Breach tells he didn't have internet all day and he's like, he's like surfing on Reddit. Reddit. Yeah. Okay, to be fair, someone brought it to me because they were like, you'll love this. This is a cat statistic about the NFL. And I was like, what? And the, people are bringing cat statistics to me at this point. That's where I am in case people are wondering what my job's like. And Breach, just, just so people know, you're in like, Deep South, deep South Alabama. And so deep like, deep South where there's a general store selling only Confederate flags. Yeah. So like your in-laws are like, they're like, hey man, did you see this cat stand on Reddit? Let's go show Breach. You'll like this. It'll be good. <laughs> that, like that. So and, then we'll shoot, and then we'll shoot the cat if we see one outside. Hey, hey Breach, you like cats? We got a BB gun. You want, we got 22, man. You want to do this? Um, anyway. Two, good lord. You want 22? He's going to get a lot of hate mail from the South this week. I shoot a cat with a twenty two, that's different than a BB gun. Well my dad's not a big fan of cats. Um <laughs> just kidding. Bob never did that. Uh not accurately anyway. Um <laughs> the Lions and the Bears played a game of football. The Bears I don't want to get ahead of our skis here, but the Bears somehow won this game. And Sean, you don't feel good about it because the other by the way, I could not stop all the, Freaking game! You know the the Wu Tang song where uh, ODB is like "Blow, how you like me now?" All I could hear in my head was "Blow." I was like, it's, "I can't say the it's name." Because you were drinking at 10 a.m. I didn't start drinking until like four. My son was in the emergency room actually, so I couldn't do that. Wow, way to make me feel bad. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, actually, <laughs> I did that to Pete Brisker and Jimmy Eisenberg on text too. They're like, "Will's not working." I thanks him. I was like, "I'm in the emergency room." Uh, Robbie had a fever. He's fine. It's okay. He has a, uh, some bronchiolitis type of thing and he'll, he'll be okay. He'll survive. Um, David Plow, 22 or 38, 280 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Lions lose though, 24 to 20. Mitchell Trubisky, pretty good game. Pretty good game, Sean. 29 yep. to 38, 338, three touchdowns, one interception. He is, uh, to the Lions as Jimmy Garoppolo is to the Cardinals. He stinks against everyone else, but he's good against the Lions. Um, they leaned on him. Allen Robinson, 140 yards on nine catches. Oh no, excuse me. That's Anthony Miller, 140 yards on nine catches. Allen Robinson, 86 yards and a touchdown on eight catches. Uh, some, someone named Horstead also caught a touchdown pass, and so did David Montgomery, the go-ahead game-winning touchdown pass on a pretty impressive drive for Mitchell Trubisky that featured multiple big boy drives. And I gotta ask you, Sean, what terrifies you more? The prospect of making the playoffs, or the prospect, or the fact, this isn't even a prospect, the fact that Ryan picking up Mitchell Trubisky's fifth-year option this offseason. The Bears aren't making the playoffs. I mean, if you just look at their schedule, um, they have the Cowboys at home, which, I mean, granted, winnable. I mean, two six and six teams, winnable. Um, go to Green Bay, loss. Um, host the Chiefs. I have to imagine that's a loss unless Andy Reid is doing the, uh, the Ryan Wilson conspiracy theory, handing Matt Nagy a big win. Um, and then at Minnesota, 
which I have to imagine is also a loss, even though I've been saying on this podcast every single week that Kirk Cousins can't beat the Bears. So I'm not terrified of that. That's that's completely out the window. I'm a little bit terrified that Mitch Trubisky might play well enough in the next four games for Ryan Pace to be like, you know what? He's shown signs of progress, and we didn't make the playoffs this year, but we have him under team control. Why would we go out and overpay for Ryan Tannehill? Hey, Sean. Is uh, Ryan Pace's job in trouble at all? Do we know? No, I mean, I don't think so at all. I mean, yeah, he won executive of the year last year. Yeah, no, he, he did. I, I think Ballard won it. It was close. I think Ballard won it. Nagy won coach of the year. I'm pretty sure. Um, because there were a lot of Bears fans mad that he did win executive of the year. I'm pretty sure. Anyways, I'll I'll continue well. Bring fiercely Google's. Give it to Ryan Pace. <laughs> Is that the official source of? Executive of the year, sporting PFW, news. PFWA gave it, there's not an official one. Is there not? No, there's not like one recognized okay. in the NFL. PFWA gave it to, uh, Ballard, sporting okay. news, the Ryan Pace. So, definitely you, win the PFWA than the sporting news one, but like. Yeah. To, uh, Trubisky's credit, he legitimately, I thought, played well. And he had a bad interception. That doesn't say he played perfect. Um, he had a few bad throws. Uh, but the Bears came out and they did what they did all of last year, which was, Scripted a brilliant open series touchdown. Um, six plays, 50 yards. I mean, obviously, Cordero Patterson deserves a lot of the credit for a big kick return to get them set up in business. Um, and then the offense throughout the rest of the first half looked like the offense that we've seen throughout most of the season. It looked like they were going to fall into that trap um, of one good drive, and that's it. And then they come out of halftime, and Trubisky throws a terrible interception. I mean, Allen Robertson is open on that route across the middle for two seconds. He throws it late, lazy across the field. Darius Slay trailing and coverage gets it. And then you look at what Trubisky did at the end of the game. I mean, that touchdown pass to Horstead you mentioned was an incredible throw. Uh, the throws he made on the go- on the game-winning drive, which, by the way, was a nine-play, 90-yard drive to win the game, um, was also incredible. So I, you have to give him his credit. But to your point now, there was a point in the middle of that game, I was like, okay, good, he's not playing well. I don't need Ryan Pace to get tricked into thinking he can still be the answer. He played well enough through the rest of this game that if he continues to play at this level from here on out, the, I think the Bears will 100% bring him back because the last thing Ryan Pace wants to do is admit he made a mistake by trading up to draft him. That said, do I think Mitchell Trubisky is going to play as he will as well as he did in the second half of the rest of the season? No. I mean, I just he just has never shown signs that he can string that together for four games. Credit to him for playing a good game. Um, credit to Anthony Miller, who's had a really tough season when a lot of Bears fans thought he was going to break out in year two after a good rookie season because um, he finally came alive. But uh, the Bears are dead, and it's nothing but a little feel-good win against the Lions. And a fun Matt Nagy fact, I believe he is now 8-2 and two against the division. Uh, I think the only – times he's lost within the division is in week one to the Packers in each of the last two seasons. So he knows how to beat the NFC North. It's the rest of the league he needs to figure out. Hmm. Ryan, <laughs> would you draft David Blau before or after Josh Allen? I would draft him before Mason Rudolph, i tell you that. <laughs> well, yeah, everybody would. Uh, I mean, I, I, my, I, mean I, I mean, I wrote down like, hey, Sean, would you would you pick up the fifth year option? I, the bears are not dead. Like if they finish nine and seven, that, I mean, like this sounds stupid, but like it changes the complexion of what you think about this team as a whole. Once you get far enough away from the season that we're not looking at the, what does nine and seven get you? I mean, if they, if they follow up this, it's like, well, we went nine and seven, had some bad luck. Oh, I thought you meant they're going to make the playoffs. 
No, I no, I don't think nine and seven will make the playoffs. But like, if you're if you're Matt Nagy and you're Ryan Pace and you're like, we went nine and seven, we had a rough start out of the gate. Like we, you know, like Mitchell's kind of finding his finding his feet. Like the, you can you spin that and no one is in trouble, remotely in trouble. No one gets fired for going nine and seven except Jim Caldwell. So I mean, know Ryan Pace wants Mr. Biscay. I was going to ask you. Is, uh, Does Matt Nagy want Mr. Biscay? Doesn't look like it. Uh, they're going to offer him his contract extension when he beats the Cowboys next Thursday night. They're going to they're going to give it to him after the game on live television, and Sean's going to cry. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I know I was going to ask you, Ryan. Sorry, I had it written down. Um, Matt Patricia. Wank wank. Sad trombone. What? What? What do you want to know? You want to say the same freaking thing I say every week about Matt Patricia? It was cussed. Wow. No. Say it. Remember that two week span where you had a man yeah. crush on him, and then you went back to not like him at all. They were two zero and one, and they lost eight of nine. I feel like when they were two zero and one, you didn't have a man crush. You were in a panic that the guy you were burying was like there was so much audio out there of you like burying him that it was gonna like just be a repeat of like just us playing sound coach. You're like this clown is on a scooter. You know what's funny? Like uh, during that span when I was panicking, there were a lot of Lions fans. Not a lot, but one in particular that I can mention to you later. It was peacocking around about how we shouldn't have doubted Matt Patricia and this Lions team. And um, I haven't heard from him in nine <laughs> weeks now, so I, I hope he's okay. <laughs> Who's the Lions? Anyway, I mean, that's that's like Sean said, Twitter's a terrible place. I shouldn't be even it, on. It's funny about Matt Patricia. It, it reminds me a lot about like what I've been saying about Adam Gase. I don't really know what this guy does well because he's supposed to be a defensive coach, right? Like it's like Adam Gase is supposed to be the, this offensive guru, but everywhere he goes, his offenses suck. Matt Patricia is supposed to be this defensive mastermind. The Lions decided to hire him after they gave up like what the most points in the Super Bowl. Like they couldn't get us. The Patriots didn't punt right. in that Super Bowl. Their offense never punted and they lost. So that's squarely on the defense. The Lions' defense has not looked good once, I believe, under him. Do you so think it I helped just, trading Quandre Diggs and trying to trade Darius Slay? Were those good ideas? No. <laughs> no. And Do you want to know a fun fact about the Lions? Always. Love to. Uh, hat tip, Andy Molitor. Yeah. Oh, you're giving credit. At, at Andy MSFW on Twitter. Good dude. Um, the Lions have led in 12 games. <laughs> they're three I mean, they're the, like, what, they're the biggest what if team. They played. They played in 11 one-score games, and they're or no, tw- no, they're yeah, they're three seven and one in those one-score games, I believe, and they're three eight and one on the season, and they've led in all 12 of their games. I can put that stat into a little bit of perspective. Not only have they led in every single game, the only other two teams that have led in every single game, the 49ers, who are 10 and one, the Patriots, and the Chiefs, who are seven and four. Oh, because the Patriots didn't lead against the Ravens. That's right. So that is so usually you generally have a good record. And uh I think yeah. our CBS stats email even said that the Lions have the worst record ever of any team that's led in every game through twelve weeks. So this is like historically pathetic that they have managed to jump out in the lead and blow it. And they've led in the fourth quarter eight times. Eight of those twelve games they've had the lead in the fourth quarter and they can't hold it, which is more indictment on Matt Patricia. It's like Hey, maybe it is time to just let this guy go. He's not working out as a head coach. Ryan, I'd love to go on like a 10 minute end of season Jim Caldwell rant, how he should never have been let go. And they didn't even make a lateral move. They took a step down by hiring Matt Patricia. Their game plan today was we're going to stick our third string quarterback out there 
after we failed to steal a quarterback from the XFL, by the way, because the XFL is like, no, we don't want our guys playing for the Detroit Lions. That makes us look bad. So they stick out David Blau, and I swear their whole game plan was they're like, look, David, we don't think we're going to win, so we just want you to throw bombs to Kenny Galladay all day, and we'll just hope it works. And if it doesn't, no one expected us to win, so we don't care. And if it does, then we're going to pull off this surprising upset, and everybody's going to love us. And it almost worked, uh, but then the magic kind of fizzled out there in the second half. One of the things I thought was very telling about how the Lions approached this, too, and that is sort of damning on Chuck Pagano and Matt Nagy, is that on the very first play from scrimmage, and Sean and I have gone back and forth about whether he should start Kenny Galladay, and I, I flirted with starting Kenny Galladay in some DFS leagues. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's, this game's going under. I, I did it. In DFS or just? Just my fancy playoffs. I only did it because I had T.Y. Hilton in front of him, and then he got ruled out today, right. and I was like, okay, I'm putting Kenny in. So. Real, real but, quick. But, but well, no, no, I just want to say that, like, I thought the opening play by the Lions was so smart because the Bears were a hundred percent convinced that they were going to run Bo Scarborough up the middle and just try and turn it into a grinder. And they sent, like, Eddie Jackson comes flying in late on like a safety blitz and they sent, and they, they had Blau chunk it deep. And Brady Quinn had said on this podcast on Tuesday, he's like, he's like, Blau, I, look, I'll be honest. Like, I, I listen when Brady says stuff. <laughs> And I, I, like, I believe Brady and he's very smart. He knows stuff, but like you heard a lot of like people like, you know, football, like ex quarterbacks or like ex players are like, David Blau's a good, like a gunslinger. You know, he can kind of wing it around. It's like, okay, listen, let's settle down on David Blau. But <laughs> the dude chunked it up I, and he threw it deep and Kenny Galladay ran underneath it. I, in zone. I was as guilty as this as anyone when I saw Jeff Driscoll's ruled out, um, on Wednesday night that I was panicking and thinking about playing someone else. And then when you step back and think about it, you're like, well, Kenny Galladay was already playing with Jeff Driscoll. Is there really that big of a difference between David Blau and Jeff Driscoll? They're both bad. Like, why not throw him out there? Um, and look, I was ecstatic because I almost played Will Fuller over him or Alshon Jeffrey. And uh, it's funny because uh, I want to give a quick shout out to my friend Sung. Um, because he was getting mad at me that I've never mentioned him on the Pick Six podcast. I'm going to mention him now because I'm playing him. Listen to the Pick Six podcast. Um, I'm not sure. Sometimes. Why well, would... if he doesn't listen to it, how would he know you never? Well, gave I, him a I, shout I, out? I why just want to lie and say you gave him a shout out. That's why I tell everybody all the time. Well, I'm, like, I'm going to shout that him real quick. Sean, I'm... one of two things: either he listens, <sighs> either he doesn't listen, in which case, f you, song. Uh, or, or... Hey, yes, yes, I like that. Or he does, in which case, Sung, we like you better than Sean, and we don't even know you. No, I think he actually listens to fancy <laughs> football today, not even us. Uh, I do want to dunk on him real quick, though, because he woke up in the morning and texted me a minute before the game and texted me saying, Kenny Galladay? Wow, that's bold. And I'm playing him in the playoffs. And then a, fi- a few minutes later, he texts me, um, gee, d- damn it. I don't know if we can say. Can, can you tweet this out so that we know you're not just making this story yeah, up? Yeah, I've already tweeted. I tweeted it just at him. I said, life comes at you fast. But like with That's a screen grab of your text, I feel like maybe this could be an imaginary friend and you just want to make up a story to tell on the podcast. All right, I will, I will link you to the tweet, Breach. Okay, it does, thanks. Breach, I, I'm with you. This does have a, a distinct, like, this is a real chance to act like I've got a friend story. <laughs> do you think? <laughs> I'm not really think, in a fantasy league either, guys. I just, do you think he likes props? <laughs> I've got leftovers in my fridge if you want me to show Bob's Brussels sprouts at Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, so what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the Lions. Um, I don't know what you do if you're Detroit. I mean, Ryan 
harps on this every single time we talk about the Lions. He's like, Jim Caldwell, nine to seven Tuesday years. They fire him, then they hire Matt Patricia, and he stinks. But you're not wrong. Like, you can't be this bad and this sloppy. And it, yeah, I mean, the Lions are just. So Mike Florio tweeted this out on Thursday after they lost because someone was complaining about how, how bad Matt Patricia's been. And he said, well, they had to start David Blau. And the counter to that is they won six games last year with Matthew Stafford completely healthy, yeah. and they've lost eight of the last nine. Now the other point to point to to make note of is that um, Quinn is the is the GM. He's from New England. He's probably not in a hurry to fire Matt Patricia. No. But at some point you're going to get fired if you keep hitching your wagon to a guy that's driving you over the cliff. And it, the other thing I would say too, like that was really obnoxious in this game is, and look, I admittedly rooting for the under. But like they had the lead and they were trying to be aggressive with David Blau. Run the ball. Bo Scarborough is running well. Run the ball, melt some clock and get out of dodge and force the Bears to have one possession where they, Mr. Trubisky marches down the field. They left him more time than that. Mr. Trubisky did march down the field and made two huge throws on third and five and third and four, um, to pick up the first downs. I get it. But like it was just very poorly planned by the Lions all around. And also, this isn't the year to be like, oh, they're starting David Blau. They can't win games. Literally every team's winning quarterback. Yeah. The Chiefs pulled a guy from a high school assistant coach in July who was winning games this year. The Steelers won games with Mason Rudolph. Duck Hodges has been in there. Like, there's been so Duck many ridiculous. Newton hasn't played all season. Kyle Allen's been tearing it up. So, like, you can't say, oh, he's not winning games because he has this quarterback in there. The Lions had Jeff Triscoll, who was their backup quarterback. Plenty of teams have been winning with their backup quarterback. A couple teams have been winning with their third-string quarterback. The Colts had their freaking quarterback retire. Like, you can't use that as an excuse. This is not the year you can use that as an excuse. Sorry, the only team that can do that is the Bengals. Um, <laughs> nobody's, using that. nobody's using an excuse. Brinson. Let's move on to the final game of Thanksgiving Saturday. Saturday. Thanksgiving Thursday. As is somehow tradition now, the Falcons and the Saints play on Thursday night. Feels like every, every year. Um, this is a heated battle that the Saints dominated. And yet, the Falcons almost came back and screwed the cover and screwed the over. Uh, Saints win 26 to 18. They closed as seven point favorites. It only moved a half a point when Julio Jones was ruled out, which should tell you something like, or at least like indicate it's not that Julio Jones is worth half a point to the spread because I think he's worth more. Um, that should tell you that Vegas probably knew Julio wasn't playing. Okay. When the line was six and a half, they had a good idea that the guy with the sprained AC joint, because these Vegas guys know people, they knew he wasn't playing. The line moved half a point with some juice at the last second. The over under came down from 51 to 48 very early in the week. We talked about it on here. I would guess when that over under dropped by three points, that was the Julio factor, if anything. Yes, Breach. And I would like to throw in when we talked about it, I gave out the fun stat that the under had hit in every primetime game since 2014. Uh, and now that's six in a row where the under is hit in the primetime game. I think you mean on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving primetime game, just the night game. This is six times in a row, and I had mentioned that it hit five times in a row. And I had, I had pointed out, too, that the Saints and the Falcons in November when they met out of the last five years, four and one to the under. So we were both saying, like, hey, this is a great trend. You should look at the under. And the under was in cruise control. I hit it live at 48, 51 48 and 47, 48 and a half and 47 and a half. And I'm sitting there with my feet up on my, laying on my, sitting on my couch with my feet up. And all of a sudden, who storms through the door? 
Young Hoku, who's just banging down onside kicks and bringing the Falcons back unnecessarily into a one-score game. This game was a blowout. There is no reason this game should have been close, and somehow the Falcons converted three, only two that counted, but they converted three consecutive onside kicks. There have been five onside kicks converted all season long in the NFL. Do you have the percentage on that? Lower. Lower. Two, No, going into Thanksgiving week, so going into week 13 today, there had been three onside kicks recovered all season out of 37. We're talking 8% of all kicks. There were three recovered today alone because the Lions recovered one also. That wasn't an onside kick, though. It's going to go in the books as one. because Right, but I'm just saying, Prater said he was squibbing it. it But also, that every team should do that more often, uh, but that's a different discussion we don't have to have right now. Maybe I'll have that on my special teams podcast in off season. Well, what you're talking about is the uh, the dodgeball kick, where you blast it right. and try and bounce right. it off. There's no downside. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. so they, they, they made it five now because the Falcons got two that counted. One, they were ruled offsides on, and that was BS. Terry McCauley jumped on immediately on NBC and was like, and Tony Dungy was like, hey, uh, Fred, 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 can we get a side view? And you know, Fred, he's like, stop yelling my name. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And then, then Terry McCauley's like, yeah, he wasn't offside. There was a bad call. Um, the rest were garbage all day long. The rest are garbage in the NFL. We need eye in the sky. Uh, but yeah. Hey, by the way, quickly, I want to point something out. The probability of getting three straight onside kicks, some counting the first one, because they, they, they recovered it even though it was called back illegally. One in 50,000 based on the fact that we've only had 8% up to this point. Is so personal math. Real math yeah. on the podcast. Wow. You gotta come with a fun fact then. You gotta say fun fact. That was great, man. That was your best it, moment and you yeah. squandered it. So that's one thing. And another, I want to ask Breach, um, how hard is it to do the onside kick like that? And why aren't more kickers doing it? Uh, the onside kick is, so you set the football up. Every kicker does it different. We've seen some kickers kind of do the drop kick this year too. Uh, some of them is don't that legal? use it. To, yeah, you can do it. I mean, as long as you can kick off however you want, you can punch it. Justin Tucker's little drop spin kick. Was that, he did it. Uh, he like held it. He dropped it from high up, let it bounce. You have to kick it as soon as it hits the ground. Yeah. And he kind of let it bounce up. Uh, but some kickers put it on the tee. Some kickers put it on the side of the tee. Some kickers put it kind of like at a 45 degree angle. So there's all different styles and not everyone can do the same style. It's not something that's easily taught. And some guys, cause a lot of guys, you're just goofing off in practice doing onside kicks, trying to figure out the best way to do it, especially now that they can't be recovered. And obviously, Young Ho Koo, I'm going to give him like 85% of the credit. Uh, uh, I mean, as the kicking specialist, I'm not going to be questioned here, Brinson. <clears throat> Brinson just wanted to I don't, well, I don't actually, know if you watched the game, but it looked like Alvin Kamara was kind of worried about. Uh, Tony you know, Dungy called it a business decision. That was definitely a business decision. If, if it was the Super Bowl, the Saints recover that because he's going to jump in front of that football and get it. Uh, and so that's one they probably shouldn't have gotten. It felt like the Saints' hands team was out there, except maybe – they fell asleep at the wheel because they, they ran the same kick three times in a row and the Saints didn't adjust their coverage. <laughs> Just look at Sean Payton's Sean, face at the third one. He was going to kill someone on that sideline. He like, turned also, to the special I teams coordinator. There, so, and the Saints setup was that you have all your blockers and you let one guy in the hand seam recover, which I do not think is a good setup at all. You want to have multiple guys out there, at least three who hey. you trust recovering the ball. Breach, you know who else doesn't think it's a good setup? Sean Payton. <laughs> He's going to fire his special teams coach. Uh, but, but yeah, so Young Hoku, that, that is not something that a lot of kickers are going to be able to emulate. So that is something in the offseason, because he missed a couple of field goals today. He might get cut 
at the end of this season. He, he might missed his first extra point ever, I believe. Missed his first extra point, missed two field goals. End of this year, he might call up a team like, look, I can't have field goals, but I'll be your onside guy. So you're in at the end of the game. I'll hit you. I'll hook you up. And he might get a job because of that because it's not easy to kick onside kicks. I almost feel like it's like the next step in analytics. Like you, that's your in. Like, cause knowing, like we said, coming into the game is 8% chance you do it. And this maniac shows him and does it three times in a row. Yeah, One thing quickly, and then you can tell me something, Brinson. 85% is what Brinson, um, Breach said, how much credit he would give, um, Koo. And I thought he was going to say the other 15% went to, um, Olukan, who absolutely balled out on every one of those onside kicks. Um, I think he scared Kamara one time. He caught the other one. And it was actually a pretty tough catch on like a short hop. So, yeah, those two guys, uh, those are my MVPs for the Falcons. And uh, last stat, so when they – 2017 was the last year before they changed the kickoff rules. 19.3% of onside kicks were recovered. Since they changed it, it's been under 9% every year. So it's literally cut more than half the rate of onside kicks, which is why they're considering uh, the 4th and 15 rule that Jim Nance was talking about during the CBS broadcast today, Thursday. Sean, did anything about the Saints tonight make you question them as the second or wherever you want to put them um, in terms of the best teams in the, in the NFC? No, because – I mean, I don't know if they played particularly well on offense. Um, they dropped a like, lot of passes. Yeah, but that's like uncharacteristic, I feel like. Like Michael Thomas even dropped a pass. Like when's the last time Michael Thomas dropped an easy pass? Uh, here, and, here, and to your, oh, whoa! He's like, he's about to melt down when he, when he dropped. And to your point, Brinson, like this game was kind of a blowout. So I, I, I don't know. It kind of felt like you always talk about like, they did what they needed to do, and then were just prepared to get out of there with what they had done. Um, but, I mean, to your point, they have not been playing as well as they have in recent weeks. I mean, we saw the Falcons uh, beat them a few weeks ago. Uh, and I do have the 49ers. I always talk about tiers on a separate tier than the Saints, whereas when Breeze was coming back, I probably would have put the Saints above the 49ers as the best team in the conference. So a little bit concerned, but they were in control of this game till the end, and it seemed like, once this, once the Falcons got this last onside kick, then it was like the Saints were like, oh crap, like this is actually serious. And they shut down that drive pretty easily. Yeah. By the I, way, you ask Matt Ryan if he thinks the Saints defense was taking it easy on him. He took an absolute beating. That, There's a, that pass rush is really, like, I, the, the first of all, the Falcons offensive line sucks, but that Saints pass rush is really good. And Cameron Jordan is, Cameron Jordan deserves defensive player of the year love. Like he's playing awesome. And, um, Marcus Davenport, too. I mean, there were concerns about trading up for him a few years ago. He, he played pretty well. He deserves it. Whoever stiff-armed Matt Ryan into outer space deserves some. <laughs> we were talking about, was it last week, someone asked, is Matt Ryan washed? Is he done? There was a sequence in this game that was, I think, is going to go down as one of the worst like three straight drives by a quarterback in the NFL. It starts with Matt Ryan throwing that awful interception, and then he's going for the tackle. I haven't seen a more disrespectful stiff arm in a long time. That, like, it wasn't Chris Conti would like a word. Yes, it, it reminded me of that, but it wasn't like he threw him in the air. It was just so sudden, it just took a little nudge, and Matt Ryan was just down and on the ground. And then Matt Ryan comes back, throws another horrible interception over the middle, and then Falcons need to score in the next drive. He scrambles, and it looks like he's making a good play. He gets absolutely hammered by, from behind, fumbles, and loses the, loses the ball. So he, uh, he turned it over, I believe, on three straight possessions in the, in the second half, third or fourth quarter. So, uh, on Matt Ryan really quickly, cause we don't need to spend a ton of time talking about the Falcons, but, um, uh, I mentioned last week that I thought he might have lost his fastball. 
I don't think it is his fast. I don't think it's his. I don't think he's lost his fastball. I'm not worried about him going into next year. I do, however, think that he's just simply still injured from the. I think it was an ankle sprain. Was it an ankle sprain? Yeah. 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 Right. So I did the math because you know <laughs> did it myself. Um, here's his numbers before the ankle sprain. 70, 70.9% completions, 310 passing yards per game, 7.6 yards per attempt, 15 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Here's his numbers after the ankle sprain. 61.1% completions, which is crazy low for Matt Ryan. 269.5 passing yards per game, 6.7 yards per attempt, 5 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. He has completely fallen off a cliff since he came back from that ankle injury. And they, they stunk before it, but I think maybe that is – like, I think we'll probably be having like some is Matt, Ryan, like, what's the deal with Matt Ryan talk in the offseason? I think it's probably just the injury. That's my guess. And the bad offensive line. Julio does, not being out there doesn't help, but you, he just doesn't have like the zip on his throws or the placement on his throws. And there is. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, there's a throw in the first half that got a pass interference penalty and moved the Falcons. I think they ended up scoring on the drive. Oh, uh, Cal- but if he, if he leaves him down, that's an easy, t- it's a walk-in touchdown, and he underthrew it by 10 yards, and that's why there was a P.I. throw. Thank God for Eli Apple. The only reason there was P.I. is because Eli Apple ran into Calvin Ridley, who had to stop for the ball. And he's like, he right. like ran into it, was like, what are you doing here? Eli Apple had three DPIs in this game. He has five for the season, and he leads the league in that category, so I don't know if that makes him happy or not. He's actually playing pretty well, though. He has five DPIs. He leads the league in pass interference. So. I think- the Saints are just required to have one of those guys because they had Brandon Browner that year. He set all those penalties, and now he's just filling that role. Yeah, Eli Apple's playing pretty well. Um, uh, I also think, for instance, a combination of the ankle. Tonight, was your, was your, was your, pro, was your bashing Eli Apple? You've been watching Eli Apple? Is Eli Apple like a listener of the podcast, for instance? Or? Yeah, this is a weird flex, but okay. You're like, Eli Apple sucks. No, I said he, has, he leads the league in defensive pass interference, and your immediate response was, he's having a great year. I say he's having a pretty good year. I didn't say great. What were you saying, Breach? I was just going to say, I think it's a combination of uh, Matt Ryan's ankle. And I don't think he trusts his offensive line <laughs> anymore he at should. all. I mean, he got he sacked should. nine times. Last week against the Buccaneers, he got sacked six times. The week before, he got sacked three times. Do the uh, math. Again, what is it? It's a lot. He has been sacked. 18. Oh, wait. He got sacked nine. Yeah, that's 18. Uh, and if we go back. Five, so we include tonight or the Thursday night game plus the last four games. So the past five games, he has been sacked 24 times. So he's taking an insane number of hits, and he's Matt Ryan. Like he's he's glass. <laughs> so you can't be out there taking those kind of hits, especially if you're Matt Ryan. Josh Allen can take those hits. There are quarterbacks who can take those hits. Matt Ryan is not one of them. And so I think it is kind of those maybe not quite as bad as Sam Darnold seeing ghosts, but he does seem like he gets back there. Uh, a little hesitant because he's expecting to be rushed so quickly. Remember when the Falcons fired Steve Sarkeesian, even though they were 10th in points and 6th in yards? Like, that was just, like, just emblematic of their problems, which is it's it's Dan Quinn, and every single year they try to do it by rearranging the assistant coaches, whereas this offense was a lot better with Steve Sarkeesian, despite all the crap he got on Twitter from red zone play calls. Well, to put Matt Ryan's situation in perspective, right, he has now played in – um, 11 games. Is that right? February? 11. I thought he missed more. Math. He only missed one game, I guess, right? He only missed one game. Um, he will be number two in the NFL in sacks going in t- so when you wake up tomorrow. Who's right. number one? Javis Winston. 
He's tied with Kyler Murray. He's been sacked 35. No, 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 wait. I'm sorry. He was 29. I did bad math. He's number one in the NFL. going into the, I think the Titans would be leading the league if they had the same starter because Marcus Mariota and, and Ryan Tannehill lead the league in sack percentage. Just FYI. Well, actually, I like Brent. I, I, I just wrote about I just wrote about Ryan Tannehill. I was looking at it. Question. It's it interesting. Um, I didn't like it. Anything else for that game? That that that. Uh, I thought it was hilarious that uh, at the end of the game, Sean Payton challenged the uh, the defensive pass interference call just because it got called against him last week in the in the Carolina game. And Mike Tirico started pointing this out in the telecast. He said, I'm pretty sure he just did it just to see what uh, Al River on, see if he was awake. Cause it was about, I think it was 11, 15 or something PM Eastern time. And they had three straight games. So you're telling me Al River on was the officer 12 hours today paying attention. Nah. And, uh, <laughs> number one, number two, there was no way they were overturning it because it was in New Orleans. It was Sean, Sean Payton. And it, of course it didn't happen. And Sean Payton's reaction was like, yeah, I knew that was going to be the case, but I just want to see if you were working now. Well, and then, uh, he, he also challenged, there was a drop, and you could see him, he mouthed, I don't know what he mouthed, but he mouthed, it was, he was very clearly saying something sarcastic to Jerome Berger, but it looked like, how about we get this one? Can, can we, can, you, you want to give us this one? It was like a no, drop. Jerome Berger did the, the Detroit game, cause he missed. Oh, missed you're right. right. Yeah, he was doing the. Eight. It was Sean, is his name Sean Smith, I think? He's a new ref. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, but he, he gave him a, he gave him a, like a, Let's get this one, okay? Because like Russell Gage, like the ball had hit the ground and like bounced up. These refs miss some. I mean, like I get it's a hard job, but the, the Jerome Boger was staring at Mr. Trubisky as he got his head knocked off. <laughs> and then the, <laughs> then the Calvin Ridley two point conversion. Calvin, they, they, they're, they're, well, let's see a different angle. It's like Calvin Ridley turns a corner and like throws the ball across the pylon and like hits the pylon. Like the like the ball is like a foot from his hand and it's knocking the pile on over the guy's like it's good it's like what what the hell are you looking at the it's first coup onside kick the kid wasn't offside and right. the guy that threw the flag was literally six inches from him and was not- it the, in the was it in the cowboys game where Gallup made that catch in the end zone that they ruled the touchdown it looked like it was gonna be the catch of the year and then the second foot is like five yards out of bounds when it well comes the worst in. part is the official pointed at his feet like he knew he was 100 percent certain that he got it right he was it like, was oh. another official came in the official closest rule incomplete and another official's like touchdown the guy's standing right there watching he's like that's incomplete this guy comes sprinting over nowhere he's like nope that's good it's a touchdown i was like what no one in their right mind thought he got a foot down i bet like, i bet the first official that ruled it incomplete he hates the other officials like yeah go ahead call it well this will be on you when you get graded go ahead touchdown whatever the other guys get the other guys got a, a you know 100 grand on the, the freaking cowboys minus six and a half or michael gallup on his fantasy team that's the only i mean people I, I don't really believe that but like people are like this game is fixed it's like no it's not they're just morons they're yeah, just exactly. not good at their jobs all right i will say real quick that jared cook has turned into a crazy weapon for the Saints, he was out for a while with an injury, and now Drew Brees is looking for him all the time. They needed a weapon besides Michael Thomas uh, in the receiving game. He had three catches for 85 yards. He's been good the last few games. He dropped and, a couple uh, of big passes, though. And Brees also missed him, though, on a long ball where he overthrew him by about two inches. I thought Cook could have maybe tried to dive to make the catch, but he didn't. Probably because he didn't want to get injured again because he's been injured so often. Uh, but he has been a good addition to their passing game. Hey, um, all right, we'll get out of here on this. Quick hitter. Over under, the full circle. Over under week 16 and a half. Jason Garrett fired. Over. The Jerry Jones said they're not firing him this year. Uh, that could change very quickly. You lose the Eagles in that week 16 game. Or, or the Bears. If the Bears somehow blow them out if but, in prime time. 
If you lose at home to the Bears, is it in? It's, it's in Chicago, Chicago, but it's on. It's in Thursday night, so it's another primetime game. He would it's be a, embarrassed. He's was, not embarrassed already. I I take the over too. I think it's after the season, but he's after season two. But like six and seven with this team is is not good. This is that's a good football team. You can you should be able to win nine or ten games with that football team. Go back to Jared Dubin's tweet last week. It's a nine and two team with a two and nine coach. That's how you get six and five. That's a great tweet. Second only to Debo's tweet, by the way. Uh, yeah, Debo went viral. Debo, how did it feel? Debo, have you been to go viral? How did it feel to go viral? Uh, I got a little glimpse of your life. Are you drinking now? That's what Prince's life makes you do. I just need some oysters in the mix. <laughs> uh, you know what? I actually ended up missing the oysters. I got there too late because uh, we were doing oh, the podcast. Oh. I showed up late. Thanksgiving next... okay? Yeah, it's fine. You, did you endure? I got there and they were like, yeah, we got oysters. We'll do some more tomorrow. And then we never did them. And uh, I got a bowl of chili instead. Oh, poor you. Just a hot bowl of chili. I was, I was going to do the over, I thought you can do the over under for next week's Saints hosting the 49ers game. Like the, uh, I'm sorry, the spread for that game. Oh, um, I was just curious because it's coming up. We don't have to do it now, but that, that's what I thought, where I thought you were going. Niners are playing the Ravens. Next week after that, then the Saints host the 49ers. Uh, I think the Saints are going to be favored, right? Is it in the Saints are hosting? The Saints will be favored, yeah. The Saints will probably be. I would say right now the line is three. But you know what, Ryan? We can check. Um, I will look. While we're going to do one more quick header, Diva. What was the what was your favorite thing about Thanksgiving, Ryan? Talking to us. Yeah. No, it was it was a pretty low key. Uh, my father-in-law came with his, his new lady friend. She was very nice. So that was very pleasurable. I had um had some wine, probably too much wine ahead of the podcast. So I felt bad between the hours of 7 p.m. and 10:30 p.m. So no, it's good. The low afternoon key. the afternoon drinking is delightful on Thanksgiving. But Unless you have something to do at 11 p.m. Then you slow down. And you're like, oh god, I feel yeah. Whatever, yeah. By the way, the um, let's see, let's see. It just not important. It just popped in my head because I knew the game was coming up. Can right. I ask you guys what you think? Um, who will win Bears Cowboys next week since these teams both played? Saints minus three. I was going to ask Breach what everything about Thanksgiving was. Um. Well, I saw a three foot copperhead because I was down in the heart of Dixie, Alabama. What? I felt like I was. What's that movie with uh, Reese Witherspoon, Sweet Home Alabama? I feel like I was literally living that movie, except I'm not Reese Witherspoon because I'm a dude. Um, but, yeah, so it was not – this is not my in-laws' family. It was their, their like, extended family. Oh, the they, they don't usually – yeah, so this is, these are people I've never yeah. met in my entire life. Uh, it was at a wood cabin. It was hand-built by the family that lives there, and they had 16 acres of property. Um, and I had German chocolate cake for dessert and almost ate a copperhead snake. That's where we are. That's my Thanksgiving, but it was awesome. I liked it. Where'd it you different. see copperhead? Uh, in this 16 acre yard. Isn't that too cold? How, what's the temperature? It was about 65 degrees. Oh, it's wow. Alabama. It's not bad. It's not bad this, this time of year. Um, but yes, but I'm doing this podcast from my brother and sister-in-law's house so i'm back in civilization do you look a live studio audience are they clapping for you and stuff <laughs> uh, they wanted to but i was like this little we don't do live studio audiences here what this is friends what fraternity are the paddles i do not know brinson i'm not do you want me to check those are, that, big, was, those are big frat paddles I, it might have been a president i don't know uh sean what was your favorite thing about thanksgiving 
Uh, I mean, definitely the food. Um, I had some you delightful turkey. Yourself, how was it? What's up? You did Thanksgiving by yourself. How was it? I did. Um, I mean, this is – I do thanks – since I've been at CBS, I've done Thanksgiving by myself except last year, which is when the fires were in Northern California and I fled the smoke uh, yeah. to my parents' place. Also listen to an HR violation? <laughs> What's that? I live – I've been home on Thanksgiving by myself. <laughs> um, I'm gonna pull a Brenton though. I don't. I don't drink much beer um, for a variety of reasons, namely because it's heavy. Um, I did have a delightful Moonlight Death and Taxes. Moonlight's a brewery in Santa Rosa in the Bay Area, um, and it was very good. Is it, oh, what kind of beer is that? It's a black lager. It's it's really good. Steve, what was your favorite thing about Thanksgiving other than this? Uh, Wawa turkey sandwich. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> you guys know about Wawa? Are you in Pennsylvania? No. Are you in Pennsylvania right now? I'm in Florida. Oh, they have a Wawa's down there? Yep. Nice. Uh, I didn't know that. I uh, Did you knock your home because of the podcast? Yeah, and the the Eagles are down in uh, Miami this week, so I will be in a oh, so there. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Wow. By the way, uh, Debo, you know what I did on uh, on Thursday afternoon? Staring down a fantasy lineup. Can't start Matt Ryan again. Can't do it. Dropped him for Carson Wentz. Let's go, Eagles. Oh, yeah. I revised my answer. My best part of Thanksgiving was Kenny Galladay catching that bomb to start the game. Sucks. Song. Song. Woke up my neighbor for sure. Sorry, neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> nine, eight, nine thirty in the morning. <laughs> Definitely got excited. So this guy, so this guy heard you screaming about Kenny Galladay. 14 hours ago, and now it's here to talk for like three hours. I'll, I'll say this though, I've toned down the 6 a.m. Arsenal yelling, so like, you know, it's gonna, it's bound to happen at some point, at least, at least it was 9.30. You see, that's why he doesn't like you. It's not the yeah. podcast. It's cause you wake him up screaming about soccer matches at 6 a.m. <laughs> I've hey, stopped it. Tough, uh, tough L for my Chelsea boys on Tuesday. <laughs> okay, we're, this is when you got it. Tuesday, they won. No, they do. It was a tie. It's a draw because there's a crosser. They hit the back crosser. By the way, they went through, so I don't think it matters that they tied. I think Valencia were the ones that were unhappy about the tie. Yeah, but I bet on Chelsea minus the house. This guy's just betting on everything. I think he has a problem. You think? (laughs) I have a hint of a problem. Why can't I have a problem? Leave my problems alone. We might have to start giving the number for uh, Gamblers Anonymous at the end of each podcast. It was awesome. It is intense. There's not much scoring. It's it's a wild. Like, By the way, for for EK listening, I think this is Brent saying he wants to host a daily soccer podcast too. Absolutely, there's a sport. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, make sure to check out the Picks Podcast in the feed. In fact, to recap all of the Sunday games on Sunday night. Gobble gobble. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 